for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It's just a coincidence, I'm sure. Because, you know, coinky dinks happen. I'm sure it's a coincidence that Nikki Haley had such a massive fundraising January, which ended, of course, on January 31st. And that January 31st was last Wednesday when Nikki was in Miami Beach meeting with a Democrat billionaire mega donor. I'm sure those two things are just completely coincidental. I'm sure that her record fundraising month had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with her meeting in Miami Beach. How these people can look themselves in the mirror is beyond me. And I'm not talking about the Democrat billionaire mega donor. Good on him. More power to him. Talking about politicians, the likes of Nikki Haley, who continue to call themselves Republicans and insist that they are the only Republican that is representing the integrity of the Republican Party and Republican Party values and their absolute two-faced, slimy, scumbag snakes. I can't stand them. We need a fundamental transformation of the Republican Party. And that's what Donald Trump's been about from the beginning. You know, my more conservative friends say, it's just so amazing that a New York liberal is being portrayed as a radical right-wing nutjob. Because that's how Trump voted. He was pro-life for the longest time. He literally funded both of Jesse Jackson's presidential campaigns. You know, in business, you donate to whatever politician is going to make it easier for you to do business in their jurisdiction. It's as simple as that, right? Business doesn't care what party you are. Business does care what ideology you have, though. And someone that supports Democrat ideology they just love politicians like Nikki Haley. They just love politicians like Lindsey Graham. Pro-war, pro-using the military as a social experiment and not a means to project American power. Pro-anything that will line the pockets of their donors. They love politicians like that. And politicians like that, well... I said it best when I said they hate you, they hate me, they hate America. They're in it for themselves. They're in it as proxies for their donors. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Bill of Rights. They don't care about civil liberties. They don't care about American values. And quite frankly, they don't care about you, and they certainly don't care about me. No, we need to get rid of these people. Why? Well, let's just take the military as a case in point. Obama stripped the entire command structure of patriots. The question was, if given an order, would you, would you fire on American citizens? Would you give the order to fire on American citizens if ordered to do so? And those that said, no, we're gone, from lieutenant colonel on up. That was the first purge. Second purge was COVID. Are you going to refuse the illegal order to put a modified RNA that hasn't even been tested into your arm just because you were ordered to do so? If you said yes, you were gone. 
you said, no, you risked sudden death, but assuming you survive that, you're going to be a superstar in the new, more compliant military. And now they're floating the idea of offering citizenship to illegals in exchange for military service. And this sounds as though it's a sop to the Republicans, right? Well, you say you want a stronger military and you you say you're not anti-immigrant and you want a path to citizenship. Well, here's a perfect path to citizenship. But think about it. If the military is largely composed of illegals because the patriots have all been purged and the illegals are offered citizenship in exchange for their service so their allegiance is to the the people that offered them that opportunity the people that would be giving those illegal orders and if they didn't have a fundamental bred in the bones love of the constitution of the bill of rights they didn't share our american values if they had nothing in common with actual american citizens and they were given the illegal order to fire upon americans what do you think they'd do because in that situation the only thing preventing them from being used against the american people just a simple little law. And Democrats have shown that simple little laws don't mean anything to them. It's above, about narrative above all. It's about agenda above all. That right there is a recipe for dictatorship. And how do you know that dictatorship is on the table for them? It's quite easy. They accuse Donald Trump, who is anything but a dictator, being dictatorial. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. Do you have a suggestion for a possible guest that you'd like to hear on TNT? Or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss? Then we want to hear from you. Simply complete the suggestion form on the TNT website. Help us make a difference on today's News Talk, TNT. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Things just keep looking down for Boeing. The Arlington, Virginia-based manufacturer, who's been under intense scrutiny following an accident last month, has reportedly announced that it will rework about 50 undelivered aircraft after engineering issues came to light with the new planes. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Uh, yeah, poor Boeing and poor stockholders of Boeing. I'm feeling your pain. All right. So uh, thanks to some reporting from Reuters, we're learning that over the weekend, yesterday, Sunday, February 4th, there was a message sent out to Boeing's employees that stated the CEO, Stan Deal, would spend, quote unquote, several days at its Renton, Washington factory inspecting some undelivered planes for potential quality issues. A supplier recently notified Boeing of engineering issues in the fuselages of certain 737 MAX aircraft. 
wow, they just can't catch a break. Well, I mean, uh, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, there are things that are broken that need to get fixed. Um, an employee at the supplier had alerted his manager that two holes in the planes might not have been drilled exactly according to Boeing's requirements. The message states, quote, while this potential condition is not an immediate flight safety issue and all 737s can continue operating safely, we currently believe we will have to perform a rework on about 50 undelivered airplanes. While this issue could delay some near-term 737 deliveries, this is the only course of action given our commitment to deliver perfect airplanes every time. The days we are setting aside in the 737 program will allow time for our teams to complete the inspections and, if needed, perform the necessary rework, end quote. A spokesperson for Spirit Aerosystems, the sole S737 fuselage supplier for Boeing, confirmed to Reuters that the issue was discovered by a member of their team. He said, quote, we are in close communication with Boeing on this matter, end quote. Boeing's message to employees comes amid intense scrutiny faced by the company in recent weeks following an incident in January in which a Boeing 737 MAX 9 was forced to make an emergency landing. A door plug on the aircraft's fuselage tore off while the plane was flying at 16,000 feet, causing rapid cabin depressurization. As a result, some passengers were injured, and arguably every single one on board was traumatized. Uh, the fuselage was manufactured by Spirit Aerosystems, with the incident resulting in the grounding of 171 Boeing 737 MAX 9 Planes by the FAA, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration. The agency also informed Boeing that it was not planning to grant, quote, any production expansion of the MAX, end quote, aircraft in a bid to improve quality control at the company. Uh, in case you're wondering about the number nine, uh, Boeing's 737 MAX is available in four variants. That would be seven, eight, nine, and ten. On January 17th, not that long ago, the FAA said it was investigating, quote, Boeing's manufacturing practices and production lines, including those involving its subcontractor Spirit Aerosystems, end quote. In the message on Sunday, February 4th, Boeing told employees they have to maintain rigorous quality standards and hold suppliers to the same standard. The message read, quote, we recently instructed a major supplier to hold shipments until all jobs have been completed, completed to specification. While this delay in shipment will affect our production schedule, it will improve overall quality and stability, end quote. And Timothy, I might argue these are things that should have taken place before these incidents started happening. Um, but do you think that there are? I hate to say it, but I'm afraid that they're only doing this because they're under intense scrutiny. Otherwise, they would just like eh, let it slide. But what do you think? Well, I flew twice on Thursday and twice yesterday. I got to tell you, I was really, really comforted by the fact that Boeing is no longer using that pasty white guy engineering, that they're now using the new and improved DEI engineering because... 
uh, I can't speak for you, Adam, or for anyone else, but what I want most in an airplane is that it was engineered with intersectionalities. I don't really care whether precision, accuracy, and structural integrity have been uh, hallmarks of the build. I just want to make sure that the right people designed it and the right people built it. And if somebody read a blueprint upside down, well, Adam, that's just the price that we have to pay in a free society for diversity because diversity is our strength. Yeah, somebody better do some digger deep uh, research into this and discover all of the pronouns and identities and religious exactly. beliefs of the person you know, who called out. They say, hey, look, I found a problem. Maybe we should just ignore him. Maybe he's too pale skinned, Timothy. What do you think? Well, look, we refer to ships and airplanes are considered ships, aircraft or ships. Uh, we refer to them with she, her pronouns. Is that acceptable in today's environment? I mean, why don't we say the plane, the plane? <laughs> this, this whole thing, Adam, is laughable. And we have to use humor to mock what is really going on here. Boeing has a transsexual, trans, uh, I don't know if he's transgender or if he's just uh, transvestite, but he's got the rainbow uh, tutu and the eye makeup and the whole thing. And we're worried, we're, we're more focused on that than we are the competence of the engineering. United, one of Boeing's biggest customers, is more worried about the color of the skin and the pronouns and the, the hair and the piercings and the tattoos of the pilots rather than having military pilots with thousands of hours under their belt. It, it's just obscene how people in one of the industries that should, should play safety as its number one priority seem to be interested in everything but and it's it's not just boeing it's throughout the airline industry it's in the automotive industry now it's it's gotten way out of control and it needs to end but thanks for another great story on today's news talk tnt tnt's kate shimarani i'm of the, the belief that your body can totally 100 heal itself if you remove the offending things and you flood your body with what it needs, what do your dogs and your kids do when they get sick? They lie down and sleep, don't they? They don't want to eat. They get great big temperatures and they just want to rest. What, do you think you're a special, special snowflake? You're any different? No, that's you as well. But what do they want to do when you go to the hospital? I've seen it firsthand in the last couple of weeks. They're just going to serve you rubbish food, wheat, sugar, dairy, animal protein, tea and coffee, fluoridated, fluoridated, bromine, water, drugs, pharmaceutical petroleum-based drugs. Kate Shamarani on today's News Talk TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live.
It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Dr. William Bacus is a Canadian physician with expertise in radiology, oncology, and immunology. A recipient of the Governor General's Medal, Dr. Makis is a University of Toronto scholar and an author of over 100 peer-reviewed medical publications. And he is currently the chief oncologist at The Wellness Company. Be sure to, be sure to check out his Substack, makismd.substack.com, and follow him on X at makismd, that's M-A-K-I-S-M-D. I'd like to welcome back to The Reckoning, our friend, Dr. William Makis. Thank you very much for having me again. Yeah, it's, it's good to see you. You had a tweet. All right. I, do we still call them tweets on X posts? I mean, everything I is do. a post. Only one thing is a tweet. I still call it a tweet. You had a great tweet yesterday that there's information, there's uh, some data that are coming out showing that fasting for 48 to 72 hours is having an effect on spike protein in the body. Can you elaborate on these studies? What's going on here? There's a number of studies that have been published recently looking at a process uh, that the body engages once you start fasting for at least 24 to 36 hours called autophagy. And autophagy is a process where the body starts clearing damaged uh, or non-functioning cells to try to give you a survival advantage once it realizes that you really are starving, you're in a state, you, you get into a state of ketosis. And so this kicks in with a longer fast. Now I, you know, I suggest a three day fast. Um, and once you're about 24 to 36 hours in, that's where this process autophagy kicks in. You start to clear damaged cells. This is very good, well, for everybody really but it's especially good for those who've been injured by the COVID vaccines, where they might have a damaged immune system or they might have damaged cells in various parts of the body, and then the body will try to actually clear those cells out. And autophagy, uh, autophagy autophagy, uh, self-eating, we have macrophages, which are large white blood cells that end up gobbling up uh, viri and bacteria and, and, and things in the lymph system that don't belong there. So this really is, is the body eating itself, but not in a, a deleterious fashion, but in a way that actually enhances health. That's right. And, and it, it really is a survival advantage. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, you have to be in this um, fasting state, uh, which is longer than what most people do, which is intermittent fasting, for example. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people do intermittent fasting, 16 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours. That's not long enough to kick this process into gear. Uh, the body really has to believe that it's it's starving. It wants to give you these uh, survival advantages. And you see this process of, of autophagy starting at about 36 hours, you know, then you're two days in, three days in, and that's when you're getting the maximal benefit uh, of this removal of these damaged cells. There's another benefit that comes with autophagy around at the same time, and that's production of stem cells. So the body actually starts to produce stem cells uh, and it starts to renew uh, and make it new immune cells as well. So it's rebuilding your immune system, it's making stem cells, it's sending them to different parts of the body where you might need them to give you that survival advantage. So, you know, I, I always suggest for anyone who's been either suffering from long COVID or has had some very strange, um, you know, side effects after the COVID vaccines, try a three-day fast 
I've done two of these three-day fasts in the last few months. It was a very interesting experience, I can tell you, uh, and it's definitely doable. And what can people take? Is it just water or any nutrients uh, available? The best, uh, the best thing to do it is to do it with just water. Um, now, you can take black coffee. I'm a coffee drinker, and I was actually getting pretty bad headaches the first time around I did it without coffee. You can take black coffee. It doesn't break the fast. Uh, and it actually stimulates the autophagy process a little bit as well. You can also take plain tea as well. You can take electrolytes, like an electrolyte pack, but just make sure it doesn't have any carbohydrates. Um, and then that's that's pretty much it. And this is fascinating, but if, if someone has been jabbed and I saw, a, bless his heart, I saw a tweet from somebody talking about how he just got his sixth jab and that if you haven't had a, if you haven't had a shot in six months, it's a good idea just to go in and get one, like you know, like you're topping off your fluids in a race car. Uh, it's insanity that there's continuing to push these jabs, but I guess some people are, not many, but some people are. But if you've got this mod RNA incorporated into your cells and your body is continually producing spike protein, will these two or three day fasts ever get ahead of what the body is, is doing to harm itself? Well, you've just described pretty much the worst case scenario, uh, the things that give us nightmares uh, as physicians or scientists. Um, you know, the, this idea that, that this mRNA, this modified mRNA, and it's not just the mRNA in the vaccines. Now we know that there's DNA contamination as well, mm -hmm. these DNA plasmids that have the spike protein. DNA even more likely to integrate into our genome than the mRNA itself. Um, you know, nobody knows if if these integration events are happening. No one knows if you can get ahead of it or not. You can certainly try to minimize the damage, and I think that's where anyone who's been vaccinated, you know, should be looking at trying to minimize the internal damage to your body, uh, because a lot of people haven't had integration of 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 the mRNA. At least, you know, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't think. Uh, but um, for those who have had uh, integration events, and this is something Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo has really called out the FDA on recently. Yes, he has. Uh, he's contacted the FDA. He said, have you done the testing? We know that there's DNA contamination. You've admitted it. Uh, have you done any testing to, to see if there's integration happening? And they didn't give him a response. And so that, that is the reason why he's calling for an immediate halt uh, to all mRNA vaccines to get them off the market uh, and so that, you know, there can be independent studies done looking at this because it increases the risk of cancer potentially. And of course, if you've got the spike protein production going on all the time, well, you're definitely increasing your risk of, of myocarditis and all kinds of cardiac damage, uh, blood clotting issues as well, potential autoimmune diseases, neurological diseases. Uh, there's a whole host of problems that come with um, you know, this, this risk, but, you know, I would say, um, for anyone who's been vaccine injured, whether, you know, you're mildly injured, you're severely injured, or you're not experiencing any symptoms, try the three day fast and try, try it several times, uh, and see how you feel, see if you have, you feel an improvement in your symptoms, for example. Uh, so, and I really do believe, you know, this is one way that everyone can, you know, try to help themselves. You don't need any money. You don't need any supplements. Uh, you just need to make a commitment. It's really a psychological 
thing more than anything else. You know, I, I realized it, you know, that I was constantly thinking about food and, you know, trying maybe, you know, maybe going to going down to get a snack or making some food and you eliminate all of that for, for three days. And it's more of a mental battle than anything else. Well, that's actually why I was asking whether you could only take water, because if you're able to take black coffee or green tea or something else you find flavorful and that doesn't have carbohydrate in it, that will tend to ameliorate the psychological uh, difficulty of the fast, won't it? It will. Um, but again, like I said, the, uh, the, the, the coffee and the caffeine, it actually apparently stimulates the autophagy mm -hmm. process even further. So there is a there is actually a benefit to it as well, sure. Uh, but as long as you're not putting you know cream and sugar into these things, then you're no longer fasting. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to defeat the whole thing by having a, a mocha latte. Uh, you say try it uh, two or three times. Uh, take a week off in between, a month off. How long yeah, is so the latency period? So people who are, you know, generally healthy or haven't had any issues with a spike protein, it, it's suggested to try it, you know, maybe once a season or, or maybe even once a month. But if you are, you know, suffering from some significant side effects, um, you may want to try it a couple of times in a month. Uh, okay. You know, give yourself maybe give yourself a week recovery period. I did notice that on the third day of the three day fast, I was starting to feel weak. And I really, you know, didn't want to be out there, you know, doing long drives or doing a, a very sort of, a, you know, a sort of a physical complex physical yeah. activity because you do start no to working feel heavy equipment or a surgical exactly. robot, huh? Exactly. <laughs> All right. We've got a lot more with Dr. William Makis here on The Reckoning on today's News Talk TNT. Good news, people. Now, TNT Radio News. Here, here is your headline. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Buckingham Palace has confirmed that King Charles, age 75, has been diagnosed with cancer. The British military's ability to sustain full warfighting capabilities has been significantly compromised, as reported to the UK Parliament. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban hopes the newly approved 50 billion euros EU aid package for Ukraine will be used to support civilians and prevent the collapse of the state, rather than for further militarization. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Dr. Makis, you mentioned Florida Surgeon General Dr. Latipo calling for a suspension of the jab until the studies investigating whether incorporation events have happened. He's not the only one. Politicians in Europe have started to call for an outright ban on the injections until the died suddenly epidemic can be evaluated and addressed. I think. Finally, what we've been waiting years for is starting to take place. And that's for people to wake up and realize that, you know, these things are the worst public medical experiment ever conducted. Absolutely. And, you know, I always uh, turn to the excess mortality in all the highly COVID vaccinated countries. Um, you see excess mortality in the United States in the hundreds of thousands uh, in the UK, Australia, Canada, in the tens of thousands. In fact, 
Statistics Canada, now this is the government of Canada, put out a report about a month ago telling us that last year in 2022, there were 49,000 excess deaths compared to the pre-pandemic era. Uh, so something Total or in just one month? Uh, sorry, no, in, in one year. So 49,000 excess deaths in one year. Now, those deaths are spread out, um, you know, when they look at the causes of death, uh, we actually have the highest uh, COVID mortality last year in Canada that we've had since 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 uh, the pandemic started. And now this is after the Canadian government recommended seven COVID-19 vaccines to the population. And yet we have a higher, we, we allegedly have a higher COVID-19 mortality than ever before. It is my opinion that actually a lot of vaccine deaths are being hidden still as COVID-19 deaths. And then we have about 16,000 deaths that are literally uh, recorded as uh, ill-defined or unspecified uh, causes of death. So completely unknown causes of death. And there's been really no attempt to even explain those deaths. And of course, an increase in cardiovascular deaths, uh, deaths from cancer, diabetes, kidney failure, and so on. Those idiopathic deaths, the deaths for which they don't know the cause, could that possibly be from the treatment that we have found to be so murderous here in the United States using remdesivir, using ventilators? We're not still using ventilators, are we? You know, uh, the shocking part is that in, in Canada, the, the protocols are the same. Uh, the hospital protocols that are so lethal for COVID-19 have not changed since the start of the pandemic. They're still using remdesivir. They're still using ventilators. Uh, fortunately, you know, Omicron is milder, but when I looked at the government data of, of the vaccine status of those who were in the hospitals with COVID-19 before they stopped publishing that data completely, about 90% of people hospitalized or dying were vaccinated. So I believe we're actually seeing vaccine injuries, people with damaged immune systems, maybe they end up in the hospital for various reasons. They happen to test positive for COVID-19. And right there, they're recorded as a COVID-19 death if they die. Now, you and I are both cursed with having scientifically trained minds. So let's conduct a little science here. In science, you, you want to set up experiments so that you can identify variables so any differences in outcomes can be attributable to the variable. So here in, in the United States and, and there in Canada, we have different governments. Uh, we have... Uh, different medical boards, what could possibly be the same? Oh, how about the World Health Organization and the insurance companies? Of course, no wonder the protocols are the same. Well, it's shocking because, uh, you know, we actually have provincial governments uh, managing healthcare in Canada. It's not a federal jurisdiction, it's a provincial jurisdiction, and we have 10 different provinces. You would have thought we would have had 10 different responses 10 different types of hospital protocols, approaches to COVID-19 and, and all that. And we actually had a completely uniform uh, approach to treating COVID-19 with remdesivir, with other you know, pharmaceutical drugs and ventilators and so on, uniform across the board. Um, and you know, very similar in the United States as well. So everything- Yeah, I mean, we've got maximize... 50 states and we had one protocol. Yeah. Exactly. Everything to maximize profit, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's all been, it was all done at the behest of the insurance companies. You know, they had that government money they just had to get their hands on. Yeah, exactly. 
One of the things we had here in the United States was the uh, PPP, the Payroll Protection Plan. And a lot of companies took government PPP money. And the idea was the government was going to give you some money to give to your employees in order to tide them over through the, the pandemic so that people didn't lose their jobs and companies didn't go out of business. Did you have a program like that in Canada? And was it as riven with graft as our program here in the United States was? Well, we had uh, a slightly different type of program. Uh, the government was uh, basically giving checks directly to citizens. Uh, so you could, uh, you know, you could apply for assistance uh, mm -hmm. and you, you, you would re receive, uh, I forget the exact amount, if it was $2,000 a month or whatever it was. And it, and it went on for over half a year. And I think small businesses uh, could apply for direct government assistance as well. Now, what we're seeing now, unfortunately, is rampant inflation in Canada, uh, just out of control inflation uh, in food, in housing. Uh, I mean, people are really struggling in Canada to afford groceries, to afford rent. Uh, so I think I think we're actually seeing the, the, the consequences of that. And yes, there was a lot of grift and a lot of um, money very questionably uh, spent, um, you know, it was very easy to sort of game the system to to get the money. And I think there was an indication that there were billions of dollars that were inappropriately uh, given by the by the Canadian government. Um, but, you know, the, the price that we're paying now is, is, I believe, the inflation that we're seeing. And that certainly is happening here and around the world. A couple other things are happening around the world, though, and it just, it makes... The, it warms the cockles of my heart because I'm from farming country here in upstate New York. And if it's not horses, it's dairy cows and, and the, all the corn to feed the dairy cows. Farmers have risen up. And farmers in Europe just scored a major victory against the French government. And the best clip of video that I've seen is some farmers with a tanker truck full of liquid manure. And if People aren't familiar with it, and they really don't want to be, but it's as bad as you might imagine it is. And they had this big fire hose type nozzle that you hold with two hands, and they were just spraying it all over the government building, all over the steps, all over the sidewalk. And William, that stink's not going to wash out for a couple years at least. And it got the attention of the French government. The French government backed down on some of its anti-farmer initiatives. How do we stop these pinheads that have never walked in a field and think that they know how to set agricultural policy better than the farmers do? It's, it's absolutely insane. Well, you know what? I mean, as soon as uh, COVID seems to be sort of taking a break, you know, we were hit uh, with the climate change nonsense. And of course, Canada is is leading in that. Um, now, you know, we're now in the midst of winter, so it's uh, it's a bit hard to uh, push, be pushing climate propaganda right now, especially in a, in a, during a Canadian winter. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we have the same problem. I mean, we have such an ideological government uh with with justin trudeau and the liberal party um you know i mean they are they are obsessed with the climate agenda they they i believe in april they will be increasing the carbon tax yet again uh they've now increased the carbon tax several times uh it, it's getting insane i mean it's driving you know it, it's driving the cost of uh of energy 
uh, just through the roof. And when people look at their bills now, their energy bills, it's it's mostly carbon tax. Well, quite frankly, that's the entire point of the policy. Uh, but he's had his wings clipped, and I want to get into that after this quick break. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I really don't understand how this trial between Michael Mann and Mark Stein is continuing. And I don't know if Dr. Mann wanted to put his hockey stick on trial. There are so many holes in his argument. It is hard to believe. I don't even understand how people could have let that out without questioning it. And I've talked about this before. One of the biggest problems I have is he won't let anyone look at his data, at least no one that is skeptical of his data. And that should raise red flags. And I've talked about this many, many times. You can go and look at what the global temperature does. When it's warm in the eastern and central part of the United States and warm across Europe, usually the global temperature is elevated. Now, when it's cold in those areas, believe it or not, the global temperature is actually colder. The problem with this whole hockey stick and the recreation of temperatures from pine cones is the areas he looks at and draws his ideas from are usually cold when the earth is warm. So he would not be able to detect that. He would not know that because he's not a meteorologist. If he was a meteorologist, would he know it? Of course he'd know it because we talk about this all the time. They're called teleconnections. So if I were in there talking about this, I'd be asking, where is your meteorology background and are you aware of this going on? But in any case, this whole hockey stick idea of temperature recreation looks to be more of a hokey stick to a lot of us out there. And the first red flag is you wouldn't let anyone look at your data. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day. My name is Chris Draft and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Dr. Makis, with the exception of our state of Louisiana, which continues to use a Napoleonic Code legal system as an artifact of when it was a French colony, the United States and Canada share a common law legal system that was derived from the British common law legal system. And we like to think of our judges as the bulwark against the government violating our rights. And it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's it's heartening. And it's, it's starting to happen there in Canada. Twice your courts have shot down the prime minister, his actions to debank not only the trucker protesters in Ottawa last year, but anyone who donated to them. And then he was slapped back again with another one of his uh, policies that just it, it violates not only your civil liberties, but just basic human dignity. So so good on the courts. Are they really uh, 
where we should be placing our hope for extricating us from this bureaucratic nightmare that the Labour Party in Canada and the Democrat Party here in the United States have have placed us? You know, in Canada, we've had very, very few uh, court victories during the pandemic. Uh, and so it is good to see uh, these victories, especially, you know, as it sort of uh, uh, slaps the hand of uh, Justin Trudeau and, and, and his liberals. Uh, but you know, it's it's been far too few. Uh, you know, we haven't had any victories in terms of of the vaccine mandates, for example. Um, you know, there are many people who are still suffering. They they've lost jobs. We have healthcare workers who are still haven't been allowed to go back to their jobs because they didn't want to declare their vaccine status or they were simply remained unvaccinated. So we have thousands of healthcare workers in Canada who are still not allowed to to either practice medicine as physicians or nurses um they still haven't been given their jobs back no one has been compensated for you know the the losses that they suffered so you know every I, you know I, I you know every victory is good but uh we've had too few of them unfortunately and you know now with justin trudeau unfortunately you know justin trudeau is going to be there for at least another year or so uh, he's extremely unpopular right now. If the election were held today, the Liberal Party would be swept out of office. Uh, all the polls are showing that Liberals would lose the majority of their seats. They're still hanging on to seats in Toronto, of course, and in Quebec. But um, unfortunately, Justin Trudeau is still going to be there for a while. And uh, what really concerns me is that he he is willing to sign Canada over to the WHO and the WHO pandemic treaty, which I believe is going to be ratified in a few months. Uh, and that is, you know, that really concerns me because we're in election year for United States. And of course, you know, that's when I'm expecting to see a lot of upheaval. And the WHO is barreling ahead with its desire to take over nation's sovereignties and have the power to declare pandemics, have the power to declare lockdowns, pandemic responses, mandatory vaccinations and all that. And is that a treaty that you can subsequently extricate yourself from? Well, so, you know, that's an interesting that's an interesting thought. So right now there are countries uh, whose leaders are standing up and saying we will not uh, participate in this uh, WHO pandemic treaty. Uh, Estonia, Slovenia, Slovakia, the, the Slovakian prime minister has come out and he said, absolutely mm -hmm. not. The WHO will not have any uh, any say in um, in our country's uh, management. And but that's uh, prospective opposition. I'm talking about if, if right. Trudeau does bind Canada, can Poliev, am I saying his name right? Pierre Poliev, yeah. yes. Poliev. Well, he's not... So he's he's only in opposition right now. Correct. Uh, but if he were to win the election next year, he, might be he's too currently late. Might be too late. way ahead in all the yeah. polls. People, he's way more popular than than Mr. Castro is. <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, is it something that the conservatives, when they get into power, could could extricate Canada? I would hope so. I don't know what the legalities uh, of of it are. I know that, for example, uh, you know, uh, President Donald Trump, I think, took the, the U.S. out of the WHO and then President mm -hmm. Biden put the U.S. right back in. So uh, but I think if we are faced with a situation 
where Justin Trudeau is still in power and, and you have this WHO pandemic treaty and maybe there's a declaration of a new pandemic, disease X, who knows? Um, I have heard from local politicians here in Alberta that um, we could uh, if, if effectively declare sovereignty over our own healthcare system and reject uh, any authority by the WHO because again uh, in Canada healthcare is a provincial jurisdiction so whatever deal the federal government signs the provincial governments could theoretically uh, simply say we don't recognize uh, this agreement and we will not uh, recognize any uh, influence of the WHO or involvement of the WHO in the provincial jurisdiction of healthcare. And that's what our state of Texas is doing. <laughs> Biden just made the absolutely ludicrous threat. We'll cut off liquid natural gas shipments to Texas. Um, Texas is the country's largest producer of liquid natural gas. I'd be more worried about the United States losing Texas's LNG rather than Texas losing the United States LNG access. Uh, Alberta is a rural province. The Western provinces don't have much in the way of industry as, for example, Ontario and Quebec and British Columbia. But you've got the wheat, you've got the soybeans, you've got the corn, and you've got a little bit of the oil there between Saskatchewan and Alberta. Could we Alberta do. secede and remain economically viable? I think it could. Absolutely. Al Alberta, economically, it could be one of the most prosperous countries in the world. Uh, yeah. One of the highest GDPs in the world. Um, so, yes, I mean, you know, and, and there is a very strong... Uh, movement in Alberta, if if not towards you know outright independence, uh, which now is maybe only about a quarter of the population would would definitely be for that, uh, but but certainly uh, some kind of uh, sovereignty or or even uh, some some form of separation from uh, from Canada or from you know from the influence of Ottawa, I think healthcare is where the battle is going to be waged. I really do, uh, because. Again, you know, we, we see uh, the WEF just had their meeting in Davos and they had sessions on disease X, which were attended by, you know, the WHO director Tedros and by the AstraZeneca board chair. And so, you know, that, you know, they're they're planning potentially some vaccines already and and so on. So I, and I think it's really this is the year that if we are going to see uh, any other pandemic, in the coming years it's probably going to be this year i mean that's that's my opinion oh sure and they started they started the disease x vaccine program last yeah. july they don't even know what disease x is but they've got the vaccine for it dr Mikus. don't you worry about that yeah well you know what i'll tell you i'll tell you something i won't be lining up for it uh <laughs> neither can, will i you know they can give my vaccine to somebody else i'll donate yeah. it yeah <laughs> The next, the next mod RNA vaccine I take will be the first one, and uh, it's going to be a long wait before I you, you see me on that queue. Yeah. Uh, Tucker Carlson came to your beautiful province last uh, month and expressed his love of Canada. I share that love of Canada. I think it's one of the most physically beautiful countries in the world, and. You know, the joke is about how polite Canadians are and they're 
they're even, you know, they're, they're too polite for their own good, but I'll tell you the, the nicest people that I've encountered traveling and it breaks my heart to see what totalitarians are doing to the, the great Canadian people that are just, they're good, they're nice, they're decent, they're wholesome, and they just want to be left alone to live their lives as best as they see fit, not some far-off potentate in Ottawa. Well, Justin Trudeau is, is you know, dragging us into this uh, post-nation post state or post-national state. Um, you know, I'm not sure even what that means, but he, he certainly doesn't have Canada's best interests in mind. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he wants to play Mr. Globalist and, uh, in fact, pushing any globalist agenda that might be concocted, you know, behind closed doors at the WEF in uh, Davos, for example. So... Uh, you know, I think most people are fed up with Justin Trudeau and their liberals. Unfortunately, he has that inexplicable core of support in Toronto. And I don't understand why, you know, the, the Toronto and the greater Toronto area, why he has such a strong support there. But I think most Canadians are fed up with him. You know, Tucker Carlson uh, came and, and he was welcomed in Alberta with open arms. And he gave mm -hmm. a speech in Calgary. He gave a speech in Edmonton. And he, he said something interesting. His, his approach was that, you know, that these totalitarians or would-be totalitarians like Trudeau and Christia Freeland and the liberal uh, ministers, that they should be mocked. They should be mocked for their incompetence. Yes. And, uh, you know, they should be derided for, for their, you know, the stupidity, the, 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 the things that they're engaging in. And, and it, was a, it was an interesting approach to take. It's something I didn't uh, expect, but... Uh, you know, I, I definitely support. Well, it's part of using Alinsky's rules for radicals against them, right? Because ridicule is our most potent weapon. Because if, you know, it's like the, the emperor who has no clothes. It, it takes the, the child to, to cut through all the hubris and the hooey and say, no, he's naked. He doesn't have a beautiful raiment on. He, he's naked. And, and that's well, what humor does, right? It's always the court jester that gets permission to say the things that that aren't supposed to be said aloud. In in Justin Trudeau's case, I mean, he might be naked, but you know he's going to wear a nice pair of socks. You know, I was going to say, or, you know, a dashiki if he goes to Africa, or, uh, you know, I, I want to see him in a sari. That's, uh, if we can get him, if we can, because he already did the Indian thing, but he dressed as an Indian man. I think we need to get him dressed up as an Indian woman, Dr. Mangus. I'm sure he would enjoy that. <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt it, actually. That's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, one of the things, I have a theory about Toronto. Toronto is Canada's most British city. And I think that it shares a lot of the what could only be described as self-hating psychopathy that Londoners have, right? Look at London, what's become of London. They Every street now is a mosque five times a day. They've got mosques to go to, but they all go out into the streets to pray. And it's nobody says boo. And the mayor of every city in the United Kingdom is now a Muslim. To the point where you've got a white police officer telling a Christian woman last week that she couldn't sing Christian songs off of church property that, you know, she, the, the officer came up and told her to stop singing, stop singing gospel songs. Why? Well, 
because this isn't a church service out here. It's like, excuse me, <laughs> are, are you serious? Have you not seen the tens of thousands of Muslims with their prayer rugs on this very street? He's like, but no, you're you're permitted to sing those songs, but only only at church, only on church property, not on public property. And mm. you know, the woman stood up to her, and the Met had to do, of course, the non-apology apology. We're sorry if anyone was offended, and of course, the officer was counseled and uh, you know received additional training. But it belied the self hatred that white British citizens of a certain ilk have for themselves and for their country. And I see the same thing that's happening in London, happening in Toronto. And you're absolutely right. That's Trudeau's core support. It's very interesting because it's almost as if like he can do no wrong. You know, it's that, you know, his support is so strong there. It's that no matter what he does. Uh, in fact, you know, the more wrong it is, the more they love it. Exactly. It's very strange. And, and you know, um, Toronto actually just elected a very liberal, far, you know, almost far mm -hmm. left mayor in uh, Olivia Chow. Of course, one of the first things she did was uh, push the COVID-19 vaccine with the flu jab. She said, go get your double flu jabber. So, you know, you know that she has to do that uh, as part of her uh, part of her part of her work. She has to promote the pharmaceutical industries. Um, I, it's, it's just inexplicable to me, but at least the rest of the country is waking up uh, and he yes. really is lo losing support all across the rest of the country. So, you know, I wish the elections could come sooner uh, before he does any more damage. Well, I'm a Roman Catholic and we're charged with praying for our enemies and not wishing ill upon them. Uh, but the best I've been able to muster so far is I pray that they get all the... <laughs> all the mod RNA injections that they want. Like we need these things to start taking effect on a wider scale among the leadership class. But my you fear know, is yeah. that they're not actually, they're not, they're not taking these jabs. I'd be shocked if they were. And you know what, but even a few months ago, uh, Dr. Teresa Tam, you know, they trotted her out mm -hmm. fully masked uh, with the health health Canada officials. And they were recommending, you know, the seventh, uh, seventh shot, the newest booster shot. Uh, has it been studied on anybody? You know, I think it was like, you know, a few dozen people, maybe, uh, you know, last time I think it was eight mice. So it's, you know, not studied in for safety in children or pregnant women or anything like that. But, but everybody should take it as, as young as six months old, pregnant women at all stages of pregnancy. I mean, it, it, it is just absolute uh, lunacy, you know, the way they're pushing the vaccines. Um, what's interesting is there, there is a movement in Alberta uh, to try to get these uh, these shots halted and and really in in the style of Dr. Joseph Latipel, um, where he's taking the lead in the United States on this, and I really hope that we will see the first domino fall with these COVID shots in Alberta, Canada. I hope so too. We're going to have to leave it there. It's always a delight and a pleasure to speak with you. Let's have you back soon. We can talk about that issue and all the others that are on the table. Be sure to check out Dr. Makis at his Substack, makismd.substack.com, and on X at makismd. It's M-A-K-I-S-M-D. And of course, at twc.health. That's the wellness company where he is chief oncologist. That's it for tonight's Reckoning. Stay tuned on today's News Talk TNT for the Havorier Moritz Show. 
Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you.